0: No purchase necessary. Void We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This episode of Washington Throne is brought to you by you, the listener. We've chosen to keep the show ad free and only ask for something small in return. Please head to iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Those reviews really help with our exposure. And if you'd like to make a small monetary contribution, head to patreon.com slash Kanye podcast, where you can donate increments of as small as $1 per month. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody want to know, what I would do, if I didn't win, I guess we'll never know. So keep your love, I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert and today we're doing a story with Zach O'Malley Greenberg. Zach, say hi to everybody and uh, introduce yourself.
0: Hey Chris, hey everyone. Thank you for having me on. My name is Zach O'Malley Greenberg. I am the media and entertainment editor of uh, at Forbes, where I also uh, edit the quote-unquote Forbes list that you may have heard in uh, a number of hip-hop lyrics. And on the side, I write books uh, uh, largely about the business of hip-hop, most recently a book called Three Kings, Diddy, Dr. Dre, Jay-Z, and Hip-Hop's Multi-Billion Dollar Rise.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the subtitles to those books, it's always like a nice one-two punch, right? You get that poetic first title and then that like very concrete second title.
0: That barely fits on the cover. You know, you have it kind of running off the edge, but you have to get all of the ideas in there so that people know what they're getting into. And you feel like you have even more that they need to know, but they really have to read the book to find out. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just put the full book on the cover, just really small prints.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so you have, a, you have a pretty unique perspective on Kanye then as, as, a, as a fan of hip hop, uh, Fan of his music, but then also in your professional realm uh at Forbes, but then also with the kind of books that you've written that f- focus so much on one of Kanye's closest collaborators
0: that's right with jay z uh Kanye is certainly a character that you know keeps coming up uh sort of almost with the frequency of of a beyonce uh in you know in the Jay narrative so you know, Kanye is somebody who I've spent a lot of time um paying attention to and and, and thinking about it. and also, you know, he's he's sort of one of these characters who um I've I've spent, you know, the bulk of my adult life as a journalist covering the business of entertainment following. So, you know, he's really somebody who kind of came into his own uh, just as I was starting out and, and, you know, I've certainly been tracking him, uh, for Forbes and, you know, just also as a, as a fan of hip hop, um, you know, in that way throughout.
1: And with Three Kings, as you said, the focus is on, uh, Jay, Diddy and Dre, but, uh, would you, would you put Kanye as kind of like the prince of that next generation?
0: Yeah, I, I think you know most certainly you could, and and one of the things that people ask me about Three Kings, and you know it's it's the three wealthiest rappers uh, on the planet, but also the three um, wealthiest American musicians of any genre. Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of the story of it's really three things. It's a story uh, of, of sort of a, each of them. It is a history of the business of hip hop, and it's it's also a blueprint for aspiring entrepreneurs to be able to look at each one of those three kings and the paths that they took and say, all right, well here I'm going to take this page up from this one and this from that one, and so forth. And you know, I think Kanye uh, Kanye doesn't fit into that you know into the three because he's not among the three wealthiest and also you know you wouldn't necessarily want to follow Kanye's business plan um it's <laughs> you know it's uh it's kind of all over the place um i mean you know business wise i think uh you know, Kanye, probably wealthier than the average person, but, um, you know, uh, could be up there probably with the Jay-Z and Diddy and Dr. Dre uh, if you were able to harness that creative energy uh, in, in a little more of a structured way, which, you know, structured is, is sort of like the last word that we would associate with Kanye West at this point, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: uh, um, but well, I would add, you know, I think people um, – because people ask me a lot, you know, who's sort of the the fourth or you know, the fourth king, or who would you put in that next tier, and, and so on. And um, you know, there's an argument for Drake. There's an argument for Fifty Cent as somebody who who had kind of reached that level. Um, you know, you could look at uh, somebody like Wiz Khalifa with the opportunities that afforded him as a connoisseur of marijuana when, when you know the cannabis industry is booming. But um, you know, one of the the names that comes to mind for me is Kanye because. Uh, when you think about it, it's like how do people become insanely wealthy? Usually, they have one really great idea, and somebody pays a billion dollars for it. So, uh, and in fact, people who I interviewed for the book, you know, they would say like, when I ask who's who's going to be the first to a billion, a lot of them said Jay Z, a lot of them said Diddy, some said Dre, uh, and you know, and they're all pretty close, and it'll probably be one of the three, um, and. and most likely, I think Dre, when some of his Apple stock vests this summer, depending on where their share price is. But, you know, Kanye is that guy who could just have a billion dollar idea at any point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he could make the next Instagram. And, you know, in six months, he sells it to Facebook and, and he's the, the first to a billion. So, you know, I, I would definitely put him in that sort of like prince of hip hop uh, category, right behind the Three Kings.
1: Does it have you? very fascinated whatever this yeezy sound might be uh what's that oh there's something that uh, a few months ago there was a paperwork that was filed for like a yeezy sound and people have just been speculating is this like some kind of streaming platform that Kanye's going to have is it something like specifically for his music moving forward or what's it going to be but it seems like it's kind of uh potentially could be this outside-of-the-box Kanye idea.
0: Oh, man. Well, I will be watching very closely to see, to see what he does, but uh, he's, he's, certainly, he's certainly a mysterious uh, character. <laughs>
1: <It> was, <laughs> when you're talking about like the potential wealth that he could have had in structure, like Drake comes up. Drake is somebody that very much blew up, and instead of going into the arts realm that Kanye has, uh, he stayed very much in the mainstream, I'm making... I'm making music for money, kind of way that has his view, like his artistic leanings and everything, but is still very much uh, intended for consumption.
0: For sure, and he's and he's prolific as all hell. You know, he's constantly putting out albums and and singles and you know LPs and uh, EPs, whatever uh, you know, uh, playlists, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and you know, he's he's the most consumed artist on the planet. And there's no reason that Kanye couldn't be, uh, except that he's such a freaking perfectionist, and he chooses to deprive us of of that additional. Uh, um, you know, creative output until he gets it just right. And then even then, of course, he's still tinkering with it. So, you know, I, I actually before this book, the the Three Kings book, I wrote a book called Michael Jackson, Inc. And before that, I wrote a, a, a biography of just Jay-Z. Um, but the Michael Jackson book, you know, it, it really um, – it brought you sort of into the psyche of this guy, this this creative genius, who actually had a lot of brilliant business ideas as well, um, that he just didn't always sort of execute um uh let's say on the level of a Jay Z or or a Diddy or a Dre because um a lot of times the creative impulses got in in the way, which is, you know, not to demean his creativity, but more to say uh a long way of saying that I see Kanye more like Michael Jackson uh, than like a Jay-Z or a Diddy or a Dr. Dre. And, you know, that relentless pursuit of artistic perfection, um, you know, cost be damned, uh, timeline be damned, um, that's something that, that Kanye does. And, you know, when you look at, I mean, the number of acts in the world who are capable of touring arenas. Um, you know, I don't know, probably, I mean, there are probably a couple hundred American acts who can do it. Um, you know, the number of acts who could, who could sell out a stadium. I mean, Kanye hasn't done it, but I, I think he could, I mean, just in terms of name recognition, uh, you know, there are very few people in the world who are more famous than Kanye West. And, um, you know, sometimes that's a positive association. Sometimes it's a negative association. But just that name recognition that he has, um, you know, uh, I think there's a there's a path he could have taken that would have led him to be playing um, not just arenas but stadiums and so forth. Um, but, you know, I don't know that he would ever want to play a stadium because he's, you know, got to have so much control over the elements of the show. And every show has to be this – extravaganza that will, you know, leave the viewer absolutely stunned, whether it's, you know, from, uh, on the Yeezus tour, snowing in the arena, uh, to on the last one, you know, the, the tilted stage as, uh, as his pal Taylor Swift likes to call it, um, <laughs> y- you know, flying carpet or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. He has to has have some kind of outrageous, amazing, mind blowing thing attached to it. Um, which is great for the audience but is not so great for his bottom line and, um, you know, and results in him having these tours that are, um, you know, not as profitable uh, as they could be um, versus somebody like Jay-Z who goes out and, you know, it's not like it's Jay-Z uh, unplugged, like sitting there with a guitar and that's it, um, <laughs> you know, uh, sort of like the Eagles uh, a couple of years ago, they did the History of the are just with their guitars telling stories. That's it. Um, you know, there's a little more production with Jay, but you know, but he plays arenas in the round. Uh, you know, so as to make sure that he gets as many opportunities to have uh, seating. You know, he doesn't have a crazy, uh, ridiculously expensive, um, you know, setup, and you know, he, he's able to take home. I mean, when we do our calculations for Forbes uh, on what an artist takes home of you know percentage of gross the standard is about a third, um, for the average pop act. And, you know, some hip hop acts, uh, can take home more than that, especially if they don't have a live band involved, if they have stripped down production, um, if they're, you know, playing from track, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, but Kanye West on the other hand, I mean, he tours, uh, like the most expensive, uh, of all pop acts. I mean, he's, you know, he's sort of on a lady Gaga type of level. um, (laughs) You know, again, that's great for the audience, but not so great for his bottom line. So, I think if if he were to, um, you know, reorient his priorities a little bit, uh, you know, he could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars more. But that's, you know, that's not where his heart is, and and that's fine because you know
1: that's what makes him Kanye. Yeah, we we all benefit from that. Yeah. Uh, I was watching a, a footage from the Yeezus tour today where he went on like a twenty minutes rant, and at one point he was talking about how he doesn't, what's, what's everybody else gained from him having a Maybach? Like nothing. Like right. he wants to give people shoes. He wants to give people clothes. He wants to like give people music and like give, he doesn't get anything from having like the car. Like they don't get yeah, anything he, from, having from having the car.
0: He wants to tear the roof off of the Maybach and, you know, put it on the trunk or whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, in, order, in order to make art. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what Kanye's all about. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was reading something you said about how, you know, when Steve jobs died, he felt like he needed to, to sort of fill in some of the blanks and sort of the creativity in, in the consumer universe and, and bringing beauty into the world. Um, you know, and, and not just, uh, sonically, and I think that's where his priorities are these days.
1: Agreed. It's almost, it's almost like he, it's impressive that he's as wealthy as he is, despite his, uh, his views on art and how he goes about his career. Oh, for sure. And, um, yeah. And again, you know, I mean, he really could be
0: a lot more wealthy if he, he kind of did things a little differently.
1: <laughs> well, so getting back, uh, you know, you have, in the three books, currently the first and the third being about Jay-Z, with Empire State of Mind, that was being written way back in 2010, 2011? Yeah, that's right. That's uh, comparing the relationship that Kanye and Jay had then, especially with Blueprint 3 having just come out, which was so produced by Kanye, um, Watching the th- or Watch the Throne about to... Mm -hmm. uh, drop or having just dropped to go from where they were then to where they are now. Um, kind of this cold war between them. Was that, was that surprising to you?
0: I don't think anything is ever surprising with Kanye, uh, unless it's not surprising. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, uh, I, I would be, um, I'd be really surprised if, if he came out tomorrow with, I don't know, an album, uh, packed with, Old soul samples, you know, I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing um the only thing predictable about Kanye is that he's unpredictable, uh, so in that regard, no, but you know um yeah it it really was a different world when you think about it, and when I was first writing Empire State of mind it was it was um, yeah, it was right as Blueprint three was coming out, and I remember hearing Empire State of Mind before it came out and thinking like, this is when you, you know, when you hear a song and, and you're like, this is a hit, I just want to listen to this over and over again. This is going to be so freaking huge. Um, you know, it, it was but he, you know, that was, that was a moment that Kanye West was very much a part of, not on that, on that track, but on the album more broadly. And, you know, uh, to, to go from there and then, into uh, Watch the Throne, which I dealt with a lot in the paperback edition. I wrote a whole new chapter called New Watch Alert. And (laughs) it was basically about how Jay-Z and Kanye had founded this sort of subgenre of rap, you know, luxury rap, and talking about how important that was for Jay-Z and how, you know, this is something that Jay-Z had tried to pull off, um, you know, about five years prior uh beforehand uh was it five or six years before and something like that with kingdom come and you know he comes with this big comeback album after he'd retired from rap and um you know his whole thing was talking about hanging out with Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin and the Hamptons and you know all of his fancy things but but not just in the way that he used to about sort of you know bragging about wealth and cars and things it's you know, suddenly he was rapping about, he wasn't rapping about Mercedes. You know, he was having the Pagani Zonda Roadster in his music video. It's like, (laughs) what is a Pagani Zonda Roadster? And his whole attitude was like, I'm so wealthy that you don't even know the things that I'm rapping about. Um, And, you know, that was kind of like mind blowing on a whole new level, but people weren't ready for it. And they were like, who's this guy? What the hell? And somehow the way that, uh, you know, you know. Perhaps it was just five more years of of, um, of you know the world being familiarized with the new Jay Z. You know, maybe it was marrying Beyonce, um, but you know, maybe it was also Kanye's participation in this and and the way that Kanye articulated it. You know, luxury rap, the Hermes of verses. You know, like it it kind of it, it really brought something in a way that made it clear what he was trying to do than, than Jay had ever done. And, you know, talking about um, Maybach bumper stickers, read What Would Hova Do, you know, that like really kind of encapsulates what Jay was trying to accomplish. I actually, for Empire State of Mind, I went online to to one of these websites where you can get uh, custom bumper stickers and I, I made up uh, What Would Hova Do bumper stickers and I put the website for the book you know the, the which like link to the Amazon page on the bottom. That's <laughs> Passing
1: awesome. Passing them
0: out. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think the whole thing, the the feel of that album, even when you got the CD, you know that that uh, that Givenchy design, you know, um, kind of gold uh, encrusted cover, you know, which clearly was just all Kanye, right? I mean that just, that just reeks of kanye um (laughs) it it it, you know it it really brought it to a to another level and you know i remember um that tour at the time you know when it happened i think it was the highest grossing hip-hop tour ever um having the two of them together you know on that one um and you know it was funny because i think that tour was kind of like the perfect marriage of Uh, you know, business-wise, of Jay-Z and Kanye in terms of the mix of aesthetics and efficiency. And it was the two of them, you know, sort of starting out on the stage, you know, very sparse, um, minimalist setup, and then sort of like popping up on these giant blocks in the middle of the Uh, floor and then sort of rapping at each other across the the um, standing room only so on the one hand it appealed to like some aspect of whatever Kanye was into at the time the sort of minimalistic uh, fashion uh, you know artistic sense Um, and it appealed to Jay who I'm sure was like well Gee, why don't we, like, how can we make this as cheap as possible <laughs> and, and look cool at the same time and, you know, appease Kanye and, like, make both of us a ton of money? Uh, which it, it, you know, it, it obviously did. Um, it, it, uh, and, uh, you know, since then, of course, his tours have been a lot more extravagant. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I would wager that, you know, he took home more on, on, um, On watch the throne than he did on uh either of the subsequent solo tours you know even after uh splitting the proceeds with jay Uh,
1: that's really funny to think like in the wake of jay making him be so like sparse on the staging kanye had to go (laughs) with yeezus and make like the yeezus staging yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I, I actually, I mean, I don't know for sure that that's the case. I'm just, right. I'm just guessing, you know, uh, having studied both of them that that's how it went down. Um, but you can kind of imagine them, you know, in like a conference room at the Mercer hotel being Kanye's like, well, I want, you know, I want the gold, like Chihuly thing. Mm-hmm. And Jay's like, no, we're going to cut it out. No, we don't have to do this on the efficient you know, it's going to be sleek, blah, blah, blah. And then kind of coming to this compromise that, that ultimately really worked out. Uh,
1: uh, do you think uh, Jay comes out with 444 if he hadn't worked with Kanye so closely for so many years?
0: Man, I don't know that there's anything that Jay does now that you can't say is somehow influenced by Kanye, you know. Um, I think his career just went in an entirely different direction and and um you know after jay-z's debut reasonable doubt uh you saw him kind of like wandering between you know that kind of rugged um or you know early 90s kind of gangster infused sound and then you know teaming up with producers like puff and and whoever to get sort of like a glossier production, um, you know, in sort of the more cheesy late nineties, uh, style and, and, and kind of, you know, not being totally comfortable doing that, but feeling like he had to, and then kind of tacking back to the grittier beats that, you know, that were more satisfying, but perhaps didn't quite pull in the, the, the larger pop crowd. Um, but then, you know, with blueprint, um, blueprint one, you know, finding this perfect mix of, of sort of like aggressive yet celebratory beats that you know appealed to a pop crowd while you know, while not sounding like cheesy. You know, <laughs> and and I think that that's what Kanye brought to the table with Jay, um, and and I think that you know that that kind of side of of uh, of the production in, in Jay's music, will, you know, is something that yeah, you can't really extract Kanye from at this point, whatever he does.
1: Uh, Encoded in
0: Jay's DNA now. Yeah, I mean, and vice versa, you know. By that, you know, almost, I would say, probably, I mean, you know, lyrically, I'm sure, you know, a lot of the the wittiness and, and, you know, some of the uh, mannerisms that that Kanye is thinking about and, and, and using, you know, a lot of that goes... Uh, goes to jail although no, sonically of course he's going in all kinds of different directions that probably Jay-Z wouldn't wouldn't necessarily
1: consider Yeah, it's it's funny thinking about like early Kanye career like does he push himself as hard as he does to improve as a rapper and reach a level of I mean he always had the drive to reach that level of superstardom, but having Jay as kind of a the hurdle to get over on his albums, does he really take himself to that next place that he may have not have reached? Yeah. You know, I, I think,
0: um, when you listen to his earlier stuff, I mean, he was always witty, but, uh, you know, getting into some of the lines that happen, I mean, you know, too many Urkels on your team. That's why you Winslow. Like that, you know, that's a whole new level, um, from, from the, the early days, you know, as much as those songs were really good. I mean, it just, the wittiness on, you know, as sort of of Pete Kanye, you're like, wow, where did that, you know, where did, (laughs) where did that come from? Not, not like it's shocking that he would be that witty, but it it just, it's up another level from, um, from, from the early stuff, I think. Uh,
1: Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. Speaking of the early stuff, when, uh, when do you first remember hearing Kanye?
0: I just remember through the wire and I had a girlfriend at the time who had, um, who had had like a jaw injury and, and she, she just really identified with this because she'd had to have her, you know, some kind of surgery and it had her jaw shut briefly. And like, you know, she was just, this is before we were dating, but she was like, yeah, you know, I, I just, and she's they're both from Chicago. And so there's a lot of conversation about, you know, through the wire and, and, uh, and, and it's so catchy. And, and um, I don't know, I, uh, I, I, I just really uh, gravitated toward that song. And then that kind of brought me more into some of his other stuff um, that, you know, that, that he, that he uh, was also very good on.
1: And you were a, you were a hip hop fan at the time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I grew up on,
0: you know, uh, early mid nineties, New York hip hop and such. So, um, it was a pretty easy,
1: uh, jump. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, do you remember the first, did you get college dropout right when it came out or did it take you a few albums to finally pick up a, a Kanye album?
0: I would say I was more of a casual Kanye fan. Um, and I would, you know, pick stuff up, uh, whenever, or just listen on the radio or what have you, um, until, i say graduation was when I was, it was the first one that I was like, I have to get this, you know, the day it comes out and, you know, fully experience it. Um, which I think is sort of like a great time to, to get, I mean, obviously it would have been best to be, you know, on that level from the very beginning, but, um, you know, I, I think that, in understand trying to understand Kanye as an artist throughout his entire career Um, you know, waiting, I think graduation is sort of the last point that you can get into it and like fully understand the arc, you know, because graduation to me was the culmination of of part one, you know, I mean, it's called graduation (laughs) Uh, and, and it's sort of like, you know, the last one before things start getting, you know, kind of crazy. Um, and in a good way, uh, uh, largely. Um, but I just remember, I don't know, I was spending, I had a couple of trips to Chicago that year. And, um, I remember going to see him at Lollapalooza and, and there was just such an energy around it. It was, it was 2008. It was part of the glow in the dark tour, I think. And, um, there was this rumor it was in the midst of the presidential run and it was Chicago and there was this rumor that Obama was gonna gonna show up on stage with Kanye because you know, because of all these things coming together. And it didn't actually happen, but you know, it, it things felt so right at that moment, like they could. Um because, you know, Kanye's star was just uh like so on the rise and you know, and there was just this kind of very magical brew of things happening all around. Um you know, of course he put on a, a tremendous show and um and I remember going back to to uh Chicago later that year to see my relatives at Thanksgiving and just, you know, listening to um that album as I as I landed at, at O'Hare and just, I don't know, feeling very into the, the Chicago vibe of it all. Uh so yeah, that, I would say that was my my, you know, first immersive um, Kanye album experience and certainly everyone since then, uh, you know, I, I I get it the day it comes out or, you know, start listening the day it comes out or what have you. Sign up for title so I can <laughs> hear it the day it comes out.
1: What, uh, do you remember what songs were jumping out to you when you had graduation on in that first? Because I know over time different songs, like... Come to the forefront of like, oh, now this is my favorite, or we go back and forth. But back then, what was what was grabbing you?
0: Um, I think the one with Chris Martin for some reason um, just really stuck with me, and you know maybe because of that the whole uh, the Jay Z Kanye you know Jay had you know next thing I know Jay had a song with Coldplay <laughs> um, you know a uh, uh, line of, of reasoning, but. You know, I think that also kind of really cemented his status as a, you know, as a as a superstar, not just of, you know, any not just of hip hop, but of any genre to the point where he'd be going toe to toe with Chris Martin on a track like that, um, on a a track that I really liked that, you know, just kind of very evocative of a time and place um, for me in my life as well.
1: There's something about homecoming, especially coming at the end of that album, that's just very, I don't know if addictive is the right word, but it just, it really creates that earworm where you're just like, I need to listen to this yeah. over and yeah. over. Yeah.
0: Oh, and of course, stronger. I mean, you know, I think that was, that was also, you know, something that really contributed to this, uh mainstreamification of Kanye, uh, Talk About Addictive, you know, that was a song (laughs) that you just, I remember, again, I I get that album, was just related for me to a lot of times and places in my life, and um, I was just graduating college, so things were sort of like very memorable, uh, you know, in in being a real adult for the first time, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing, and I remember I was doing the story for Forbes, and uh, it was about a company in New Jersey that made the machines that feed um, powder into pills and cornflakes into cornflake boxes, and I rented this like shitty Dodge crossover SUV to drive to like like deep New Jersey and and like go through this industrial weird little industrial company and write about it. And and the whole time I'm, I'm pretty sure I just listened to Stronger on repeat <laughs> uh, yeah, to get
1: amped up for it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, To me, Stronger is always evocative. I was my junior year of college and it's just every Friday, Saturday night in the basement with the red cups drinking and Stronger (laughs) being like one of the kickoff songs of the party. Yeah. It's like, I knew it was
0: a good one to add.
1: Yeah. I knew it was 10 o'clock on a weekend if Stronger was playing. (laughs) Um, so you started getting into like your career as a journalist at that point, and you've been a you've been a fan of Kanye. You're coming into just a fan straight up of his albums and music. Did starting to work in the professional realm of journalism change or expand how you viewed Kanye or give a different kind of facet to how you viewed Kanye?
0: So that was the year that I started the Hip Hop Cash Kings package, uh, the you know, the list of the top burning rappers in the world. And I don't think he was on it that year. Maybe he was, I don't know. I think as I recall it took him a year or two to get on it. Maybe I'm wrong, I'd have to go back and look. But um you know, it it that was uh when I started, you know, reevaluating a lot of the way that I looked at um hip hop, not to say that I i didn't you know that i stopped liking rappers that i used to like or started liking new ones but you know i it just gave this it's sort of like you you put on um ar goggles or something you know uh <laughs> and and you start seeing uh you know like all these pokemon or something in the on the street that just weren't there before and um augmented reality right it's like I mean, I'm kind of mixing Pokemon Go and augmented reality, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Pick pick one or the other or both, and uh, and and that's what it was to me. There was just this whole other layer of the hip hop world on top of it, and you know, a lot of the guys who you thought were making a lot of money were making a lot of money. Like Jay Z was making a ton of money, but then you know there would be people like Tech Nine, you know, uh, who were making like more than Kanye some years um, because. You know, tech nine just has this like incredible setup and in, in kansas city and he owns all his own trucks and his own warehouse with merch and all this stuff and his own studios and so everything is done in-house it's all independent you know he keeps so much more he sells you know probably a third as many albums as as a you know as some of the artists uh, like on that level, but he keeps three times as much of the money, maybe more. Um, you know, so seeing stuff like that, uh, you know, kind of make, makes you, um, it just gives you more, you know, that, that extra layer over the whole business. And, and, uh, you know, maybe you're a little more fascinated by somebody like that. It's like, well, how did they make all that money? Or like, why are all these people listening to, you know, I don't know, some random, uh, rapper you know in in like arkansas that you've never heard of before
1: and 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 kind of
0: ask yourself what it is about their music that kind of translates to this commerce
1: hmm. it's uh makes me just think about the first time i heard tech nine and trying to think like what my response was to him. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was like, what is he saying? What?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's too fast.
1: <laughs> right. Like very <laughs> you know, impressed but confused.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, usually these days, you know, what is he saying? It's uh, the whole mumble rap uh, scenario. Uh, but, you know, but now he's talking too fast instead of, you know, not like uh, not, not mumbling. He's, he's cramming too many syllables into that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, too many. It's, I mean, he's, he's doing a great job. I need to catch up kind of thing. <laughs>
1: So we get to, as you said, when graduation came out, Kanye has proven himself to be this massive star. He's, uh, has this energy at his concerts and shows, and it seems like only greatness awaits. And then we get 808's, his most debated album, and then the Taylor Swift VMA's event. Um, what what were you thinking at this at this point for him
0: yeah well you know i think there were two events in kanye's uh life that that irrevocably changed his career one of them was his mom dying and one of them was the taylor swift thing uh, um, and you know his mom dying it, you know clearly he was very close with his mom he was he was devastated um uh, and that fed a lot into you know into his uh uh you know, into his narrative and, and, and to his work. But, you know, I, I think in a way um, I think the Taylor Swift thing in in some ways altered the trajectory of his career even more. And I just remember, you know, thinking like, like how, I mean, obviously he, it was stupid of him to go up there, but the backlash was so insane and it was just this like crazy racially charged like bullshit, like American id thing coming through and a lot of the people participating in it didn't really acknowledge that. And, you know, and and to this day, like you can talk to people who get it in the hip hop world and they totally understand it. And, And you can have conversations with them about it. But you talk to like a lot of mainstream Americans and they're like, that guy, you know, is a monster. It's just uh, really hard to unpack a lot of that for some people. And, you know, Kanye went from this place of like, you know, I think graduation and he was really loved. And, you know, even after his mom died, I think that was another layer of people kind of being there for him and, and, and a lot of suddenly, you know, this thing happens and it's like, he gets knocked off his pedestal, you know, I mean, there, there's just this rage um, coming in from all over the place from like random, you know, famous people who are shitting on him, you know, it just, just it, it, it's, it's, it's just, you know and and I remember he had to he was supposed to tour with Lady Gaga and go on this crazy uh huge arena tour and this was right when she was you know had just become the biggest uh arguably biggest solo pop act in the world, and they were going to go on this joint tour together and you know as sort of like the two biggest act out there and he had to bail and he moved out of the country for a while i mean it's you know again part of his narrative because because the backlash was so intense so you know um obviously he has dissected that moment a lot in his song since and i wrote a story on the fifth anniversary of it um that i called something like the strange symbiosis of taylor swift and kanye west talking about how you know uh that moment I think was you know in some ways traumatic for both of them um but also something that um rocketed them even higher into the into the stratosphere in terms of name recognition um, you know Kanye uh you know more negatively taylor um you know came off i think as sort of like you know a lot of people were oh like Poor Taylor. We're going to be very sympathetic toward her. You know, this bad thing happened to her. So, you know, she got she got a boost from it, I think, ultimately, um, you know, you had sort of Beyonce coming in and trying to smooth things over. So anything that Beyonce touches kind of like turns to gold, you know, so there's that association going on. And, you know, and Kanye you know like they say any publicity is good publicity i don't really agree with that but i mean he sure got a lot of publicity over it so <laughs> you know it it uh it definitely like catapulted him to this um, even even higher place but um man what a what a crazy uh feeling that must have been to have been kanye and you know somebody was telling me the other day that that he did something like that at a european award show uh and like interrupted some european act and like People were clapping and, and thinking it was awesome. Was it you? Were you telling me that? Yeah, place? I think I think it yes, was me okay. <laughs> during
1: during South by. It was uh, yeah, it was the European Video Music Awards and Justice won for best video, which it was a creative video, but it wasn't. It looked like somebody spent like five hundred dollars and they just did a lot of like goofy stop motion stuff. And Kanye just went up there and was like, "I haven't watched your video. I'm sure it's a great video, but like." Yo, touch the sky was incredible. I spent a million dollars, like, and people are just like applauding and eating it up, and there was no backlash whatsoever. Nothing. Yeah,
0: it it just. I mean, again, I think it gets at this like very dark part of the American id um, that still hasn't gotten its you know its shit together when it comes to sort of like racially charged you know like stereotypes and 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 sort of issues of a black man you know being in that interacting with a white woman it it caused america to like lose its collective shit which i think is insane
1: yeah yeah and there's the extra layers of her being like a young white girl in the country genre at that time and like very much country and having a country family. It's for sure. Uh, um, So following that article and the five year anniversary. So that would have been ahead of them making amends leading up to all day's performance and Taylor being there for that, uh, that kind of renewed friendship in 2015.
0: Yes, which I think was, you know, a little surprising uh at first and then it was like okay well look they're they've grown up they've all grown up everybody's fine about it now and you know i mean um you know to taylor's credit i think she was fairly gracious uh about it um you know and and to kanye's credit he uh you know he he was willing to put the past behind him I mean, despite this trauma that it you know uh, uh caused him and and um you know of course it didn't last <laughs> this this great piece uh of the two titans uh it, it did not last um and you know it's like they just they kind of can't help it with each other you know uh and 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 then you have sort of the latest <laughs> the latest kerfuffle um you know, but again it's like you know. He, um, he couldn't resist sort of the, the creative, uh, (laughs) I mean, I think, you know, creatively talk about, you know, being provocative. I mean, we don't have, (laughs) we don't have really provocative artists, I think, in the way that we used to, you know, like decades ago and, um, you know. From the, from the 60s, you know, up through NWA and, and, and so on. Um, you know, I think in some ways Kanye is sort of like the last rock star in that way. You know, uh, somebody who really will push boundaries for boundaries' sake and just does not, not give a shit about, you know, the consequences. And I mean that in the best possible way. And, yeah, so he decided to make this video uh, with, like, you know, fake naked Taylor Swift and, like, you know all these other people some some fake and some real you know donald trump and all these characters um and uh yeah you know if i were taylor swift i I wouldn't be too thrilled about that either um but but also it's like kanye couldn't he just couldn't resist right the the continuing that that narrative and you know and creating provocative art which also i understand that side of it too um and, you know, and just like she couldn't resist, you know, making that comment about his, you know, the, in that song, which she may or may not have written about him, you know, with his tilted stage. Uh, and <laughs> could it be about, you him? know, oh, yeah, no, everybody has a tilted stage. Uh, so, you know, it's just it's like the story keeps going. And I think in some ways, you know, it's almost like they're sort of uh kylo ren and ray and star wars and it's (laughs) they have this weird connection and they sort of hate each other and they sort of love each other and it's like are you know are are they like friends or enemies or lovers or like i mean i they're not lovers i guess uh uh taylor swift but yeah but there's just this very uh this this crazy energy around the whole thing um and like you don't know where it's going and, and you know and and what's gonna happen. So uh you know it, it uh, uh I don't I don't think it will go in the lyrical direction that Kanye suggested, but uh <laughs> in famous, but um you know, it just uh it it keeps going.
1: It's it's funny to me because talking about that energy that they have and that tension that they have I feel like addressing it as like, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex is a really funny tongue in cheek way of addressing that tension. And kind of, when you see two people that are in the same uh, sphere and they keep butting heads and arguing, usually the joking response is like, when are you two gonna like have sex already?
0: <laughs> right,
1: right, right. Like Kanye playing with that, but then the backlash from it. And as he said, the the video. It's always yeah, and oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, it's just always crazy seeing the discussion about it because the video isn't without artistic merits, but then the video isn't also without like social criticisms about permission and for and, sure, yeah,
0: objectification and and you know image and all of that. And if I were Taylor Swift, yeah, I would have been really pissed off, you know, um, but. You know, then again, if I were Kanye, I don't know, I mean, Kanye, Kanye's Kanye, you know, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna provoke and he's, he's, you know, he's gonna push buttons. And, uh, and so, so he kind of gets himself into these situations sometimes.
1: <laughs> yes, he does. Um, so with uh, the last handful of albums, uh we have My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Wash the Throne, Yeezus, The Life of Pablo, have they, has that, journey been something that you've been there for, or have you been, are you more inclined to that old school Kanye sound?
0: Oh, no, I've been there, uh, every, every step of the way musically. I mean, um, you know, I, I think beautiful dark, twisted fantasy is, uh, not just one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, but one, one of the best albums of all time, period, full stop. Um, and I think it's a travesty that it didn't win album of the year, uh, that year at the Grammys, and you know, I think I think that's his magnum opus, and it, it sort of combined um, the the listenability of old Kanye with the sort of boundary pushing of new Kanye, and you know, and you know, and the wordplay just got to another level, and the production was insane, and the guest appearances—I mean, you know—it it takes a, a truly like once in a generation album and a once once in a generation artist to have that level of supporting cast and not have it overwhelm the album. Like that was a Kanye album. That was not just some kind of group party. Like you feel the Kanye all the way through it, no matter if it's Jay-Z or Fergie or Nicki Minaj on the track, it is a Kanye album and it's telling a story and it's, and it's triumphant and it's despondent and, I just think, you know, I don't know. I I I cannot say enough about that album. Um and, you know, subsequent to that, um I liked Jesus. I mean, I liked Jesus more every time I listened to it, but you know, it's it's not let's say like so much fun to listen to the first couple times, you know. <laughs> it it really uh it's like whiskey (laughs) scotch you know it's really an acquired taste um and you know pablo i think uh to me i mean i really liked it um but the the whole thing of putting out the album and then changing it constantly even after it was out it actually drove me nuts you know it's like (laughs) can you just can you please just tell me what i you know is this are we done now? Are we you know, because I think there's a point where when you keep putting brush strokes on a painting, you know, it goes past being its its best self, you know, and it goes into, in, into something else. And while I think it's a I you know, I don't know I don't know that there's a moment where I said where I would have thought it it would have been better if you'd left it there. I just I wanted to know when I could, you know, be sure of what I was listening to. Um so you know uh but but again, that's Kanye, I mean it's you know he, he's he's not gonna give you uh he's not always gonna give you exactly what you want, but he, you know that's kind of goes to the Steve Jobs side of Kanye, which is he's not gonna necessarily give you what you want, but he's gonna give you what you don't know you
1: want <laughs> um sometimes <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. the thing that always bothered me about the album uh release with the life of Pablo and the changes is that the one that you got for purchase wasn't the most recent one and they never updated it. So anybody that just bought the album doesn't have St. Pablo on it or doesn't have like some of the last changes. And it's just like, can you at least give me that?
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, to go back to the Kanye J narrative, uh you you know, you have him making it available on title and, you know, driving just amazing amounts of subscribers to the service, which, you know, obviously enriched Jay, but but enriched uh, Kanye as well as a as an equity holder. So, you know, there you have um Kanye kind of you know, being involved in a in a in a very good business decision um that's sort of like also connected with Uh, you know, his artistic decision. So, you know, Kanye and Jay sort of once again converging between art and commerce, Uh, you know, Kanye on wanting to keep changing it, which, you know, the Jay probably liked a lot because then people would have to keep coming back to it and listening more on title or like renewing their subscriptions or whatever. So, you know, uh, again, one of the the, um, more recent collaborations with them and um before things kind of fell off a cliff again
1: (laughs) yeah it was uh it was interesting hearing jay recently on david letterman um on letterman's netflix show talking about kanye and just with no irony no like wink wink nudge nudge was just like kanye's my little brother like he's my little brother like that's never that's never gonna change but then also saying like you ever have a falling out with family and uh, Letterman was like, "Yeah," and you know, I'll let you know when it's over. And Jay kind of <laughs> laughed. It was like, "Exactly, exactly." Right, right. And so it did seem like one of those things where it's there's not that ill will, but there really is that like Cold War feeling of like things aren't what they were. But I still love and care about you. But things aren't things aren't there.
0: Yeah, and you know, just to go back to to Big Brother, you know and, and sort of the things Kanye said on that song, um, were pretty remarkable, uh, for somebody who, you know, certainly has a great deal of pride, um, you know, to admit to how much he looked up to Jay-Z and, you know, call him his idol and his big brother and all this stuff. And, you know, but I think, I think he, Kanye is, is nothing if not honest. And, uh, and I think that that you know that still resonates today, but I think there's also that sort of little brother side of kanye and you know kanye Kanye wants to be bigger than his big brother and and um you know it, it's it's hard when your big brother is jay z <laughs>
1: that's that's not an easy an easy shadow to walk in that's right um that's right. what a do you have a a a favorite personal Kanye story
0: um i do I, I think my my favorite was when uh it didn't really end well but um so it's a, it's a, there, there's a fair amount of context that goes into it uh so let's back up like 50 years um <laughs> in in 1968 um my dad bought a a Porsche a used Porsche convertible in 1964 for $2000 so, I'm guessing that would be like buying a you know well i don't know maybe paying like twenty grand for a car uh now a used car and um for many decades, it was his only car uh and then it kind of um he didn't use it for a while and it like fell into disrepair and uh and then he had it sort of like revived um probably and i don't know when i was in college or something and uh got it up and running again and for the first thing i would do you know it was it was an old car right and it sort of was his baby and uh he he would let me drive it but only with him in the car <laughs> and then finally and it was just a few days after yeezus came out he let me take it um uh, with some buddies to go um to go to the beach for the weekend so you know Jesus, get the porsche out the damn garage right yeah get the porsche out the damn garage we put down the top we put in the it doesn't have really a sound system so we put in this like Beats pill or something and we're blasting Jesus, and we're you know it's beautiful day just like gorgeous 78 degrees maybe even a little hotter because you're Drive down the highway and the sun is shining and the wind is perfect and it's just it's like could not be better and we're like exit 45 on the long island expressway and and my buddy goes you smell all that and i'm like oh yeah you know it's just it's like old car or whatever you know it's fine um and and then I'm and then i keep smelling it and i keep smelling <laughs> it and it's like this this is this is uh this is smokier than usual and i kind of like look over my shoulder because the engine is in the back because it's a rear engine car and uh and and there's like smoke just spewing out of the out of the engine like oh crap we have to we have to get so we pull over and we um we get to a, a a gas station and by now that's just like thick black smoke coming out of the engine and so and we like at this point, we're pretty sure the car is on fire and possibly about to explode. So <laughs> we park it in this, like, in the middle of this parking lot by this gas station, away from everything. We grab all of our stuff. We like race out of the car, um, and uh, for, you know, and we call AAA. Fortunately, the the smoke subsides. We have to get flat bedded back um, to, uh, to 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 uh, to Westchester County where my dad lives. And, um, by the time we, we get back there, it's like nighttime, you have to change cars, the whole thing. Um, uh, you know, after spending like an hour and a half crammed into a, into a flatbed truck cab with this, you know, sweaty truck driver. And, um, and long story short, um, that was basically the end of the Porsche. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> it was,
0: uh, my dad had not used it very often. And so the, a fan belt had, uh, had frayed and busted and then the engine overheated and basically melted and um so he was able to he got it back working and he you know he drove it a little bit more but it just kept breaking down and so he finally sold it um and you know i i'd say he he got his money back but uh, i don't know then again when you you know you know you never know how much you put into it over the years but uh that, that so I'll, i will always associate um Jesus with with that uh that really that last voyage of uh of this sort of like family heirloom car that um that I guess I won't be giving to to my children. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if there's a uh, ever an appropriate album to go out to, I feel like Jesus yeah. Jesus is the one.
0: I I think so.
1: I think so. Oh man. Also uh top 5 uh Kanye tracks.
0: Um Oh, my God. Jeez. I mean, you know, i got to put Stronger in there. Uh, all of the lights I would have to put in there. Um, oh, what else? I mean, Homecoming. Um, I would put the um, Sierra Leone uh, remix, uh, Diamonds from Sierra Leone, the one with Jay with also, that's partially because of Jay. And the, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I mean, it's kind of like pick pick any other track from uh, from Beautiful, Dark, Twisted Fantasy. Mm. I mean, like any, really. I mean, just the whole thing is just so freaking genius. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What about you? What are your top five?
1: My top five. Uh, they go uh, Wolves, Real Friends. Mm. Lame game, mm. uh, the glory, mm, mm-hmm. and then it kind of shifts around, like blood on the leaves, lost in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. It just kind of it kind of dances. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, there's just so much to choose from. <laughs> well, I uh, I think we've arrived at the time for your last call. You just have an uninterrupted span of time to talk about whatever he wants. And that's how we, mm. that's how we close out the show.
0: Last call, you know, um, so I, I would, I would classify myself as sort of like a, somebody who has ended up defending Kanye and arguments with, you know, friends and, and, um, colleagues and, and so on. But, you know, I got to say, he just kind of lost me at, at the, the Donald Trump lobby hugging thing. Like what a weird way to end 2016 you know if you had said that 2016 is going to end with president donald president elect donald trump hugging kanye west in the lobby of trump tower i mean i i just i i could not have thought of a crazier thing than that and i don't know i think that i think that donald trump is like part of that same kind of like dark american id um you know, produced uh, some of the reaction against Kanye, the backlash with the Taylor Swift thing. So it's just so inexplicable to me that he would end up in that, he would put himself in that kind of a situation. Uh, and, you know, though, I think that there's, there is this sort of like, and I get into this in the afterword of Three Kings if you go back and you look through the nineties, you will find a lot of mentions of Donald Trump in hip hop. And, you know, he was sort of this wealth mask that a lot of people kind of held up to, you know, to, to, uh, to want to, to want to be like, you know, and he was at the white party in the Hamptons with Diddy and Jay Z, you know, and he was out there, um, in in New York at a lot, a lot of these same parties with a lot of these guys who were coming onto the scene. And, you know, so I think hip hop, um, as it moves forward and, you know, strives to be, I think in many cases sort of more like, um, Obama to use another presidential example, uh, you know, somebody like Kendrick Lamar, um, or Jay Z, you know, talking about mass incarceration, what have you, um, you know, hip hop kind of has to, has to figure out, you know, what to do with this sort of like Trumpy past in some ways, you know, uh, and, and, and sort of like the, the connections there, um, you know, the associations there, uh, that, that look sort of a little weird to say the least in hindsight. So I think just as hip hop, you know, has to decide going forward, is it going to be more on the Obama side or the Trump side of things? Um, you know, I think Kanye, uh, is going to probably have to reconcile, you know, multiple different sides of of his own mind um, and his own, you know, his own history. So I guess that's where I'd leave it. Step into the world of power, loyalty